Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Apollo Audio Podcast. Welcome to the Apollo Audio Podcast. Uh, with me, Martin Lumsden, and my regular co-hosts, Billy Hills yeah. and Miles Mitchell. What up? We are here at Apollo Audio in Hartford, the amazing uh, professional boutique recording, rehearsal, and tuition studio. Come check it out. Uh, come check it out. Available for all your amazing music-making needs. All of them. And we're all, and we're all lovely. Um, we're here to discuss the Rolling Stone magazine 500 best albums of all time. We do two albums every week until we finish them, which at this rate will take us into the next century. This week we have Catch a Fire, um, released on 13th of April 1973 and is number 140 on the Rolling Stone 500 uh, list. Rolling Stone magazine said this was the album that introduced the whole world to Bob Marley, expanding his audience beyond Jamaica without diluting his bedrock reggae power. At the time, the Whalers were truly a unified band fronted by three extraordinary singers in Marley, Peter Tosh and Bonnie Livingston. The rhythm section of drummer Carlton Barrett and his brother, bassist Aston Family Man Barrett, defined the reggae beat. Producer and label boss Chris Blackwell subtly overdubbed and remixed the original Jamaican sessions for international ears, but the Whalers' ghetto rage comes across uncut in Concrete Jungle and Slave Driver. This is their fifth studio album, but the first released on Island Records. Produced by Bob Marley and Chris Blackwell, recorded in Jamaica with overdubs recorded later in London. The original 1973 vinyl release was designed by graphic artists Rob Dyer and Bob Weiner and was encased in a sleeve which depicted a Zippo lighter. The sleeve functioned like a real Zippo lighter case, opening at the side hinge to reveal the record inside. Only the original pressing of 20,000 had the Zippo cover because it cost way too much to make. (laughs) Uh, So they changed it after that. In April 1973, the number one movie was Charlotte's Web. Animated movie about a pig? Oh yeah, Charlotte's Web. Don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, Number one album was Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin. And the number one UK single was Get Down by Gilbert O'Sullivan. On April the 3rd, 1973, the first mobile phone call was made in Manhattan, New York City. And on April the 4th, the World Trade Center, then the world's tallest building, was opened in New York. Bob Marley and the Whalers, Catch a Fire, number 140. Is that the only Bob Marley album on the list? No, no there are two loads. more Bob Marley albums Higher. on this list. Yes. I think originally, if you look at the record, the original cover of this, it's credited to the Whalers, not to Bob Marley and the Whalers. I think so I'm, I know I think, so I think I'm just, right in saying. They were just like a normal band. Yeah. So they were like Bob Marley's band. No. Uh, then, then Bob Marley, beca- this is how I think it went. It's the Whalers. Then Bob Marley becomes the star, so it becomes Bob Marley and the Whalers. And then, and then Bunny Whaler was And there. then Bob Marley goes off and does his own thing and becomes just Bob Marley. Play. The guy. I think that's how I think that's how it went. Was he like the main songwriter? No. Yes, so he was. Yes, on this album, there are nine tracks on the original release of this album, of which he wrote seven. And the other two were written by Peter Tosh. 
Fair play then. See, you try to catch me out with answer questions <laughs> I don't know the answer you to. Got <laughs> I'm getting better. Yeah. I'm getting better. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is their fifth, fifth album, but it was the first that sort of broke them internationally. I think up till that point, they'd been famous mainly in sort of Jamaica. And then this was their sort of international breakthrough. I think the story, uh, as far as I recall it, goes that they were in London touring or something like that and then ran out of money and couldn't get back home. So they were actually, Island Records gave them an advance uh, on the record which gave them enough money to get back home <laughs> to Jamaica where they recorded the uh, album and then it was released on Island Records. Wicked. Uh, it's the first that. album that appears on Spotify, but it's the fifth album in total. Well, yeah. Fifth studio album, I believe so, yeah. I don't know what happened to the previous four. Yeah. Uh, whether they kind of just don't exist or unknown or whether, I don't know. He has done it. He's, he's got, he has got, gone got for a end. question that I don't know the answer to. Well, was that under Bob Marley and the Whalers? Yeah. Well, if, if you do a search for Bob Marley or Bob Marley and the Whalers, all the Whalers, this is the earliest album that you'll find, I think. But that's the background. What did you think of the record? I think me and Mark said earlier, it's hard to dislike reggae, really, isn't it? I've got the same sort of vibe as the Toots of the Maytales. It's just feel-good music, isn't it? I love that snare sound. I love that sort of vibe we get from it. I'm a big fan of piccolo snares. and uh, But again, it can be once you like... What's this, a nine-track album, isn't it? Yep. Half of them do sound quite the same. You can't, don't they? I think even the way they start... You get into the song, a rhythm. Yeah. It's kind of, that's, that's the point. That's yeah. reggae. So yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it just, just takes you to that sort of place. And you can... Yeah. It's the first 70s album we've done in a while that I've actually really enjoyed probably since the David <laughs> he, Bowie he one. says that every time and then you kind of go but what about the Donna Summer album yeah. what oh, about the boy got album? me again yeah. <laughs> well, I think I enjoyed it more than them yeah um, but yeah, it's just feel good and I, I think that's the first proper time I've actually I've obviously no Pomona stuff just through the radio and like, just everyone knows him but is there any like stand up singles on this one that he's like really really known for the track that I recognised as one that was familiar to me was Stir It Up yeah but Having said and, that, I don't think it's this version of Stir It Up. And Stop That Train, I think. I don't think I recognise yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, I recognise that one. Stir It Up was definitely the track that I recognised, but not this version of it, I don't yeah. think. Because I think that version, I don't think it's Bob Marley singing it on this album. No. And I think you then re-recorded it or something later. What, are they like a four-piece, five-piece? What's the band? Uh, five, I think it is. Is that right? You've got um, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh and Bonnie Livingston and Rhythm Section, Carl Carlton Barrett and Aston Barrett. So yeah. that's five, yeah. I'd love to see this actually live. Yeah. I can imagine how good that would be. Yeah. They were an amazing band and the Wheelers, I think, went on to have uh, success separately yeah. as a band as well. So we've got Bob Marley. They, they obviously split up. I don't know exactly the... Maybe we'll, we'll come to that at some future episode. We can find out why is Bob yeah. Marley no longer with the Wheelers. Yeah. Um, so were they already sort of big by this point? Well, in Jamaica, I think, yes. Yeah. And, and obviously big enough that they were over in the UK touring, but I think that was just that expansion of the success that came off the back of this album. Yeah. And we were chatting about Island Records. Was this like the first big signing for them as well, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. I, I, Island Records had been around for some time, sort of 14, 15 years, but I think... Brought reggae might, to the mainstream, yeah. Yeah, brought reggae to the mainstream, but I think also made their name as well. The success that they had with Bob oh, Marley right, and the Whalers allowed them to be yeah. one of the biggest independent record labels in the world. I'm pretty sure you 2 were on Island Records, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's tricky to kind of think of uh, standout tracks, isn't it? Like, like mm. for, for me, anyway, I, th I think you're right. So the blend 
they blend in, not in any bad way either, but it's more kind of, well, what, what was your sort of favourite track? So I don't really have a sort of yeah. favourite standout. Although, having said that, I think, cause I, I thought it was great, as I just, I really love reggae. But uh, you know how people say, oh, all metal or screamo music sounds mm. the same. Obviously, the, the, the basic principles, I suppose, of, of, of reggae as we know it, in like that sort of like 100 to 110 BPM off two, four, yeah. sort of 2-4, is you go, okay, that's reggae. And there's definitely, you know, if we've said here in the studio, right, let's make a reggae track, there was things we would know to do. Yeah. But, um, yeah you have to do that or it's not reggae. <laughs> yes, yeah. but... Um, I don't know. I still felt like there was enough movement on this album to still be interesting. Like oh, there, yeah. was, there was, there was, there was, um, in a bad way, as I said. stop yeah. that train, which, which there was like this great electric solo and this nice bass line that actually wasn't the only actually reggae connotation was probably just Bob Marley's voice. Yeah. But then the chorus comes in and it goes into that sort of like two, four reggae, which is, which was nice because yeah, not that it can sound samey, but I know what you mean. It can sort of wash into the next one. But like here, I felt there was a, a, enough sort of movement around it. I wrote down high tide or low tide being a particular favourite, like nice vocal harmonies. We had this with mm. Toots of the Maytals. Like it, it's it's quite intrinsic, like mm. their vocals. Yeah. You wouldn't say they're sort of close harmony blends. There's yeah. that sort of very, very low Yeah, uh, and almost harmony, loose harmonies harmony comes in. Yeah. And yeah, sort of lead vocal. And then you've got these kind of almost sort of, I thought, what would I say? Very masculine <laughs> I'm going to say sort of low mm. rootsy um, yes. singing going on in the background as well yeah like Billy said we said earlier it's literally puts it takes you to a place it makes you feel good the sun should be shining you should have a red stripe in your hands enjoy a bit of reggae it's, it's I think it's a great feel good music always think about vinyl I think it would always sound good on yeah. vinyl yeah. and you know very like, rare original copies of this yeah. one yeah. go for a lot of money I imagine yeah I think the only reason I said about them sounding the same is just the intros there's a two or three intros where I think the drum feel literally like the exact same, same thing, thing yeah, especially yeah. with that snare yeah. sound yeah once you get past that then I think it becomes a song but it's that the first part is a lot is yeah. that the same one again maybe so didn't, if they didn't start the same then I think I wouldn't have noticed it so much yeah maybe that comes you know how we were talking about like the disco albums how that was like used for the clubs maybe reggae because reggae you know it's got that feel good sort of yeah. music and um, carnival vibes maybe that's where that comes from that and, the, and the idea of a valve, an album as well that yes. creates a, an overall vibe because you're yeah. kind of putting this on and I'm, I'm not going to be going from one thing to another it's like well that's completely out, yes. of, out of sync yes. with the rest of this but there's a few uh, sort of slower there was a few sort of slower ones, wasn't there? Like a few sort of ballady s, not quite ballads, but sort of like a bit more, um, uh, not sort of. Yeah, I don't. I think it must be around that 100, 110 BPM, which is that sort of cap, cap you know, two and four thing. Yeah. But then there was a couple that he slowed back. But then, the, the, then it's all got the there's just the different elements which it, it normally has. And his voice. I mean, I think most people who you know, I don't know loads about reggae. I've got friends who do, but. For me, and I'm, I don't know if you guys agree, but they are the sort of golden artist band of, of reggae, aren't they? Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I, I always uh, found difficult about reggae was its sameness. Like, kind of, that's yeah. what always put me off a little bit was, well, it's just the same as the last one, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas I didn't get, even though I'm saying it was hard to think of a track that was distinct, like really standing out or distinctive yeah. or something like that. So I said, it's not that I feel that I got bored necessarily or felt like oh it's the same thing again this is the second reggae album that we've done this one doesn't sound like toots mm. and the maytails really no. it no. sort of does but not really we're in the same year we're in the same country we're in the same genre and yet i think 
you would immediately know the difference between the two yeah. bands, right? The two yeah, sets of songs, point, the way yeah. that they're presented. So that, I suppose, was something that I kind of noted as well, was yeah. to think, even within reggae, you start to get the sense of depth and scope uh, I think, I of what's think going I, on that I hadn't got before. As a drummer, I don't think, I think I'd love to have it on my, my playlist on like a shuffle. Then like, you got the odd couple songs in a row and then you move on to the next one. I, d- I think this is the whole album, as I like you said, can get a bit samey, but mm. I like the odd... Like I've got UB40 in my place, stuff like that, when that comes in. Do it, because it yeah. does sound so different to all different types of music. Yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, listening to the album all in a row is a little bit repetitive, isn't it? But I think for one artist, because one artist got that sound, but if you brought in UB40, if you brought in Toots and the Maytales, Bob yeah. Marley, they do sound different. They've all got yeah. their own sound, haven't they? You're the, the best reggae playlist ever, sort yes. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I found it, uh, my, my, myself enjoying it maybe more than I expected to, because I've sort of been a bit reluctant maybe to listen to reggae because I've been put off in the past maybe by just like as I said isn't it just don't they all sound the same <laughs> which is a terrible thing to say what did you enjoy more <laughs> this or Toots the Mato oh, mm, that is a really good question because I really enjoyed both um, I think I'd go for Toots I think maybe just more, Toots and the Maytales yeah. yeah I found it a bit more up the Toots and the Maytales yeah. one this, this felt a little bit I oh, know I wasn't really focusing on the lyrics that much but this felt this is maybe an over overstatement, but a little bit more politically charged than the Toots and the Maytales one. Does anyone remember the year from the Toots and the Maytales? Oh, it was 73. 73? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's say, say same year, same place, same genre. Different band. Different <laughs> band, sounds different. Yes. I mean, it's more, we've spoken a lot about this whole th- sort of process that we're doing. It takes you, makes you think deep deeper about genres and how actually all artists and bands obviously so fit into the genre of the time and i think reggae epitomizes that more than anything isn't it it's like the the sound of reggae the toots the maytals and bob marley is literally you can't get any more <laughs> reggae than that yeah. it's like the absolute crux yeah. of of reggae so i mean they're both i think they're both they're both good they're both very very good albums um and yeah, I'd come back to them. And they've just opened, haven't they, in the West End. My, my friend's in it. Shout out to my friend. They've just opened a Bob Marley musical on the West End. Oh, yeah, my mate's oh, really? as well good. Yeah. yeah. So um, shout out to Lawrence, who's uh, who's in it. And he says, it, and he's been in a few musicals, and he raves about this one. He What's says he it's really, it? really good. I think he's just a swing at the moment, but then he'll move into a part when the cast changes, because he, he's come in... Sort of like th- it's been going for about three months, and then he's come in as yeah. a swing, and then he'll take over. But he says it's great, and yeah. the crowd are on their feet, and it's great vibe. So maybe maybe we should do some research. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, do there's, a good do a staff trip down there. Idea. We'll do a live <laughs> pod from yeah. the theatre before. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got two other uh, Bob Marley albums to. Uh, yeah, to there do. we go. So maybe the last couple of weeks, haven't we? We've had sort of iconic artists. Yeah. Um, that was spoken about Bob Dylan being one of those. Yeah, uh, I think you've got to put Bob Marley in a sort of similar definitely uh, yeah. vein, haven't you? As, a, as an, an iconic artist within music generally. It's, yeah, it's not just kind of a, I don't know who that is or I don't know anything about that. Is it something about being Bob? Is that, <laughs> is that the trick? Did he take called Bob? You've got a head start. <laughs> yeah. Was Bob Marley or and the Whalers the first, or did Toots and the Maytales? Oh, it's similar time, wasn't it? My, so you're asking about the date of the uh, the Toots and the Maytales album. My memory is it's 1973. <laughs> no, it but was. Then, as I said that, I, I think I remember that it's 1975 release 
was the one that had the breakthrough. I think I've got that right from when we did it. That although it came out in 1973, yes, it was that's right. It wasn't, it wasn't in 75. Yeah. And that's when it sort of became successful that's in right. 75. Which would then suggest that this was more Came of a breakthrough yeah. album for reggae generally than yeah. Toots and the Maytales was, yeah. even though they're sort of recorded around about the same time. Which is quite a huge feat if you think about it. These literally, I mean, we talked about, <laughs> we bring this up every pod, but we talk about maybe some artists we were, didn't like, but then we sort of tip our hats because we think, oh, well, they were probably the first to start yeah. doing that. Mm. I know he's the poster boy for reggae, but if he's the first as well... It's pretty huge, isn't it, to take a genre of music and take it to like the mainstream of the Western world? So and didn't it really explode though, like late seventies, like seventy seven? Was it? Yeah, yeah it was I think seventy five through to he died in eighty. Was it eighty eighty one? Yeah, yeah. It's a fairly short time bringing reggae to the masses, but to an extent, it's always also bringing Rastafarianism yeah. to um, the world as well in terms of cultural influence. Because mm. that's you know they, they sort of two go hand in hand, I suppose, to a yeah. degree. Uh, or the three, Bob Marley, reggae music, Rastafarianism. And then that becomes a sort of cultural touch point for a lot of people as yeah. well, along with I wonder, that was Zippo well. Lighters. And, I, uh, for I such a split. small country, they've got such a cultural impact on the whole world. Oh, it's massive. Like music and rich like culture, yeah. yeah. And uh, all based on good, fun vibes. I was yeah. talking about Notting Hill Carnival. I don't know if you've ever yeah. been, Martin, but it's... Um, it's amazing, like, you know, food, drinking, everyone dancing in the streets, reggae blasting. It's great, celebrating the culture. Interesting on that, I wonder if there is a genre of music that hasn't hit the sort of commercial rest of the world yet mm. that may do in five, ten years. Yeah. I don't know, Polish national music or something. <laughs> um, I wonder, you know, I wonder if that's ever going to happen. Mm. It's quite an interesting thought, isn't it? Have yeah. we... Or a sound. Well, I suppose the uh, uh, K-pop. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was probably the, the latest one, wasn't it? Massive um, exposure of uh, Korean yeah. music, it's kind of what, that cultural thing. Although it's pop music, it's very distinctive. It's a really good one. Yeah, I wonder what the next one is. Maybe we should go on a trip and try and find it. <laughs> we'll uncover it. It'll be the next. We'll be in the next Chris Blackwell. Yeah. Make our label on the back of something that no one's ever heard yeah. before. This was previously number 123 and number 126 on previous editions of the Rolling Stone 500 list, so it's dropped off a little bit. The critic Vic Iyengar from AllMusic said, Marley would continue to achieve great critical and commercial success during the 70s, but Catch a Fire is one of the finest reggae albums ever. This album is essential for any music collection. That's for us to decide, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> I think our job's for us. <laughs> it's a, he says it's essential. What did we think? I'm going, I'm going for a four. A strong four as well. Strong four. Yeah. Strong four. Because I was obviously listening to it and then Billy was just playing it in the studio before we started and just, just, just the whole reception just yeah. felt good. Give me a red stripe. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's just, it's just, it was just really nice music. Yeah. So sorry. Just, on, yeah. It's not just that, because I think sometimes we listen to it yeah. and we're quite isolated because we're thinking about or oh, what we're going to talk about. Or, yeah, yeah. But just having it on the background as you did, we're all chatting. I was like, this, yeah. is, this is great. Yeah. I mean, how many, there's not many albums we can say that about that we've listened to, right? That you'd be that like, oh, true. just put it on the background. You know what I mean? You're right. And I think it's for that reason that it is a four. Because it is kind of, you put that in the on the background and feel great. But you <laughs> wouldn't go, I really want to listen to something. I'm going to put this on. You know, with everything that's said about it, and that you know, it's it's one of those whatever everybody else says that this is a five star, it should be a five star album, right? It's one of the greatest yeah. reggae albums ever. Um, 
I suppose there's a difference between between being one of the greatest reggae albums ever and being one of the greatest albums ever. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I feel that sometimes I'm like, it's much easier for me to give, say, another artist, say a major pop artist that I know really well, that I love that album and I'm well familiar with it, easier for me to give that a five going, this is great, I love it. You know, that kind of thing, you go, I'm so familiar with this, I've listened yes. to it so often, I know I'm going to put this on and I'm going to love it, so it's going to be a five. And then this is like, I'm just not, I don't know it well enough almost to be able to say that. But I'm not sure I ever will either. So that was a long way of saying. Four. Four for me. I really want to give it like a three and a half. I'm so stuck between a three and a four. Because I did really enjoy it. But like you said, I know it's great for background music, but is that the point of music? I just didn't mean it just for that, actually. That it was the background. Because even if you then blasted it, yeah. I think it'd be like, oh yeah, cool. But, yeah. you know, just throughout this long process of album listening we've yeah. been doing how many would i be like okay i've just listened to this quite a few times this album oh yeah put it on again in the studio i'll be like oh not that again do you know what i mean yeah I, but i didn't feel like this i yeah. didn't feel like that but with I this. Thought, point me, like if you really like a bit of music you would put it on stick it on the car and like or just stick it on your headphones just to listen to it and i i wouldn't mind listening again not at all i thought it was great but Both I, you. I think it's three okay i said 11 sorry double. bob i think 11's but right. Back right for an for iconic a, uh, artist in Bob Marley and the Whalers. I think yeah. we've been quite generous recently, haven't we? I think to a degree we're, we're sort of falling into... It feels like we're almost slightly aligning with the list itself, actually, yeah. a, li a little bit. Maybe there's, there's a couple. Widened. There have been a couple that have been very high, which we've gone, why? Yeah. And there's been some that have been a bit lower that we've marked higher. Yeah. But in general, when I sort of look at, I say, 19... So we've only done <laughs> we've only done shit. We've only done thirty albums out of five hundred so far. But in general, there have been those those that have come higher up on the list are sort of showing up reasonably high on our list as well. But there's probably a scroll of albums that aren't on the list that we would all. Uh, well, we know there is actually. There's a scroll yeah, yeah. of albums that aren't on the list that we oh, yeah, put on absolutely. them. Absolutely, and as I said, we've we've discussed albums that we don't think should be. Some of the ones we haven't even discussed. We've discussed why they shouldn't be on there already. <laughs> what was that doing there? Um, but yeah, it's just, I say, it's an interesting thing to think about. It's, it is funny, actually, because even you, Billy said, I'll give it a three. I'm saying, why did I give that a four? <laughs> really? Am I being swayed by the fact that I'm told it's good rather than it is good? Yeah. Cause you can I, amend, I, you can amend. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, three is worth a listen rather than four being great. <laughs> but if you're having a conversation about reggae, and perhaps I don't even know enough about this, Again, to, to reference my friend who knows so much, I'll ask him this later when I speak to him. If we're looking at reggae as a genre, it's not just worth it. Reggae, some albums are worth listening, but this one's probably like the, 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 you know, the pinnacle of, and so therefore yeah. it deserves a bit more than a three. Because I think we'd all agree that all of reggae deserves a, you know, deserves a listen, just the yeah. overall vibe of reggae. We've all agreed that we yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. So this one maybe deserves, you know, and Toots and the Maytals, yeah, a little but bit is more. it great though? That's my kind of you know this sort of assessment of how, in trying to mark like I just instead of just voting arbitrarily or giving marks <laughs> out of ten or something. There's a sort of a a thought process that goes behind this as well. This is well, why is it a three? It's a three because it's worth a listen, and a four is why is it a four? It was four because it's great. You know, I think I mean, quite you a lot know, of musicality. I'm, I'm saying it's great. I'm yeah. not saying you have to you have to uh, get hold of this. It's amazing. That's more like a five. You know, just. Get, check this out. It's definitely, you know, I'm going to recommend you should listen to this because whatever you think of reggae, 
that would be a five. You know, whatever you think of it, whatever you think of Bob Marley, you're missing out if you don't listen to this album. Yeah. Because it's that good. So I think I am going to, I'm going to, I think you've swayed me. I'm going to, I'm going to reduce my mark to a one. still double figures. I'm going to reduce my mark to a three, I think. He's still in the double figures or they're yeah. still in the double figures. Yeah, I think it is good. I think it's worth a He's listen. He's got a great voice as well, Bob like, Marley. I'm uh, thinking, wow, I wish I'd heard this before. I must go back to it. In comparison to, say, the Van Morrison album, which I know didn't hit you guys quite as hard last week, but that Moondance album, yeah. I was like, wow, I just, I've never heard this and I kind of wish I had and I, I will listen to it again. And I'm not so much thinking that with this one. Final question to you though, Martin. Yeah. Do you think you could ever score a reggae album five? Don't know. I think my favourite... Like, <laughs> do, do you see the point I'm trying to get at? Yeah, there, and, you know? and yeah. to say yeah. that there might be a, you know, a couple of Bob Marley albums on here which are very highly regarded, well-respected, have lots of hits on them, yeah. that might change my yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might go, yeah, this is a proper wow album. I hadn't experienced anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, I think you're right. It may just be that I'm like, you know what? I just can't get on with reggae, so it's going to be yeah. hard for me to do that. Yeah. And I think the best sort of reggae ones for me are the ones with a bit more instrumentation in there. I do stray away from more of like the 2-4 stuff. Or, or keep the 2-4, but there's other elements in there that make maybe a bit more of a fusion to another sort of Yeah, genre. I mean, there was some musicality in this, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, then I suppose that's what makes it reggae. Yeah, I mean, we could go around the house on that all day. But yeah, I think to look, it, it, they get a 10, they're going to be... There's always going to be a taste thing, right? And, and you yeah. know, even we know that everybody who voted for the albums on this list, not everyone voted for this as one of the best albums of all time. Mm. Just enough people voted it as one of the best albums of all time for it to reach a number 140. Yeah. So it's not like we're trying to... We're not like we're saying we're massively out of line. There will be plenty of other people who kind of went, no, I'm not putting Bob Marley and the Whalers on this. <laughs> it's not my thing, man. Yeah. So, yeah. That problem of having to try try and like everything or defend not liking everything. Music's just... It's the beauty subject, of music. Subjective, Subjectivity. <laughs> and, and you find yourself in the right time and place. Like you said, put, yeah. put it on, I, I don't know, at the right place. In Jamaica. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> a beach bar. Get this, if you're going love this yeah. or whatever reason you're that not you getting, kinda, you're not or whatever to... the circumstances were when you heard something for the first time that might be just you know attached to your favourite yeah. moment of all time and you're not getting to that take, beach bar take you back there you're not getting to that beach bar in Jamaica and saying you got any K-pop <laughs> maybe it's a time and a place isn't it <laughs> it's reached that far good okay um, yes good that was Bob Barley and the Whalers or the Whalers I'm still not sure uh, Catch Fire and uh, yeah, number 140 on the Rolling Stone list. Woohoo! Album number two on the Apollo Audio podcast. I forgot the name of the podcast there for a second. Is number 125 on the Rolling Stone list, and it is the Beastie Boys' second album, Paul's Boutique, released on 25th of July 1989. Uh, the Rolling Stone quote for this quoted Adam Horowitz from the Beastie Boys uh, I went to this party in Los Angeles, and they were playing this music like four breakbeat records playing all at the same time. The party soundtrack consisted of tracks by the Dust Brothers who ended up co-producing the entire second album from the Beasties, providing the rap trio with some of the best samples ever put on record, including the Ramones, Mountain and the Funky 4 Plus 1. 
Paul's Boutique is also an extended goof on Abbey Road, which was Paul McCartney's boutique. And like that record, it ambitiously stitches together song fragments in a way rarely heard before or since. Uh, this is Beastie Boys' second studio album produced by the Dust Brothers, composed almost entirely from samples, sometimes described as the Sergeant Pepper of hip-hop, but I'm pretty sure I've heard that before, <laughs> in, even in this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Paul's Boutique has placed on several lists of the greatest albums of all time and is viewed by many critics as a landmark album in hip-hop. Uh, in total, there are 105 songs sampled, including 24 individual samples on the last track alone. Bloody Contrary hell. to popular belief, most of the sampling for Paul's Boutique was cleared, but at dramatically lower costs compared to today's rates. According to Sound on Sound magazine, most of the samples were authorised easily and affordably, something that would be unthinkable in today's litigious music business. What's a nice word? What does that mean? Litigious? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it means when you sue people. Litigation, isn't it? Litigation, yeah. So <laughs> Normally you would get sued. Uh, July 1989, the number one movie was Turner and Hooch. The number one album, A New Flame by Simply Red. The UK number one single was You'll Never Stop Me From Loving You by Sonia. <laughs> Sonia. <laughs> A great Liverpool artist. On July the 5th, 1989, Seinfeld screened its pilot episode. Starring Jerry Seinfeld, Jason Alexander, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Michael Richards. And on July the 5th, British singer Rod Stewart hit his head whilst on stage and knocked himself out. Wow. It's a major moment in rock music history. <laughs> on number 125 is Paul's Boutique by Beastie Boys. I was so surprised when I read that as well. I read the Wikipedia page on the album. Because when I've seen videos and they're playing like Sabotage, the most famous song, isn't it? Yeah. And they're playing bass. I thought they were like a proper band that did it. They call themselves like a rock band. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't realise how... I thought, like, especially there's so much like bass driving this album. I thought of playing it. So I don't know if that sort of took it away from me as well, to have like a rap group that sort of does the music as well. And I do think sampling's an art form, but maybe they play it live as well. I'm not too sure how they do that, but it's quite impressive that it's all just samples because it doesn't sound like it is, especially the way they're piecing it together. Very, very impressive. I think I'm right in saying that these were all sample tracks that already existed. Yeah. Like the Dust Brothers had put these together and Beastie Boys come <laughs> along and go, can we use those backing tracks and do some raps over the top yeah. of them? Uh, which had even sort of not even written as, like together as yeah. songs. It was kind of, they got, those bits already exist. We'll do something with them. I think Rick Rubin was kicking about them at the time. He's gone tour with them and stuff like that. Rick Don't... Rubin produced their first album and um, then I think they sort of fell out. Oh, did they? Yeah. So you'd say this is their fourth one? No, this is their second, second one. Second one. But um, Ill Communication, yeah. which is their fourth album that's got uh, Sabotage on it. Yeah. I think they changed their, that's their fourth album. They've changed their sound up quite a bit. Yeah. So you're saying about actually instrumentation and yeah. performing as a band. Yeah. yeah. That, by the, I think by the time they get to that fourth album, that's what's going on. Yeah. They've sort of changed and developed their sound quite yeah, a lot. Because yeah. I'm a bit surprised Ill Communication not on the 500 list as really? far as I could see. And when I've looked at best album lists in the past, that's been the Beastie Boys album that's been on there. Yeah. So it's a bit odd to me that, this, yeah. that they seem to have uh, changed around a little bit. Was it quite a big thing in like the late 80s as well for three white boys to be doing that sort of sound? Yes, the uh, initial... Because they were... that that Their first... Um, oh, God, what's the, what's the first album called? Boy, I can't remember the name of the first album, but it was uh, Fight for Your Right to Party, right? It's the big oh, is that the first one? That's their first, that's their breakthrough hit. That's yeah. the first hit. So at that point, they are like just bad boys of rap, right? Yeah. And that one produced by 
Rick Rubin, yeah. sampling people like ACDC, stuff like that on yeah. there. But then they are the sort of... Um, license to ill. License to ill. One of the reasons why they went and did this album was to try and change their perception from what they were seen as on that first album, which was just like a bunch of drugged up white boys. Yeah. Whereas they kind of went, well, no, we're better than that. Yeah. Let's prove it. Uh, and that was the sort of concept behind Paul's Boutique was to push push on a little bit. It's sort of like heavy rap. They are sort of like shouting while they're doing it as well. Yeah. yeah. And it has got the rock elements to it. And there's a couple of weird tunes in there. Yeah. there? The chicken. Oh, uh, yeah. It just <laughs> the 20 second chicken. I was like. <laughs> but you only, yeah. to, <laughs> was an ad. Like, you only seem to get that with like hip hop albums where you have like skits and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the it. ending. Yeah. The Jan- yeah. Was it Janice yeah. thing where it was like. Yeah. Um, and if anyone is looking for someone who do something like that at the end, I was thinking yeah. like, that fin- that signed <laughs> yeah. off the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Uh, you're right. It does seem to be something about hip hop, yeah, especially around it. that period. Yeah, there's got to be some some little weirdness inserts. Do you know? I'm genuinely surprised about, but it just shows maybe I just wasn't um, exposed as much to this sort of genre. But this is our fourth. It's our fourth '80s hip hop rap yeah. album. Yeah. yeah. So we had Della Soul, yeah. Eric B and Rakim, Tribe Called Quest, and then and yeah. and, and this. Yeah. And I was trying to think earlier, I was like, have I, I've obviously like heard tunes from all those artists before, but I'm, now I've listened to all their albums. I think like, obviously there's differences with, with, within, I'm not grouping them all together, but you know, do I like 80s rap more now I've listened to them or not? Yeah. I said to Billy earlier, there's a certain way of them doing those raps in the 80s, yeah. do you know what I mean? Which so evolved, and I know we yeah. spoke about this before, it's so evolved in the 90s, Dr. Yeah. Dre and things and it almost just for me just sounds i want to use the word cheesy or corny but it just sounds like the flow is just so obvious yeah does, you that, know make, does, that, does that make yeah i think like the ones it's we've like, listened to you know, like um was eric b and rakim that's more like boom back where you know the drums it's got that sort of 80s sound yeah, yeah. this one i feel like is more 90s with the sampling and stuff like that and that sort of takes it to yes, another level instrument, for me. yeah, it does, instrumentally. Um, but the actual vocal rap is still quite. Yeah, that but again, I think this, there's one guy in this band who has like, who the stuff I've heard before, where he's just right on the edge of the mic. Is he shouting? Do I really like it? And he did yeah. grow on me after this one. The other two are really, really like. But I think oh, a few songs in, he sort of becomes your favourite because he's so distinctive. Yeah. And I think the interplay between the three of them as well is yeah. part of what makes Beastie Boys yeah. different because they're, you know, they're, they're rapping to each other, yeah. referencing each other yeah. and responding to each other, yeah. which obviously you don't get with a solo artist. Yeah. No, actually, I actually really, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it because when I used to watch Kerrang back in the day, <laughs> Fight for Your Right to Party always used to be on. Yeah. I thought, oh, I can't wait for this one to be over. Yeah. But the more you listen to it, the more you get used to their sort of sound. And again, I love the drive and like the sort of bass line that was going through it. I knew you would like it because it's got and that rock. Yeah, it's got was that it rock looking fit. looking down the barrel? I thought it was that like, was my favorite yeah. one. I knew it would be. Love I was like, one. is this even a rap tune? Yeah. I was like, this could be like a rock indie song. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, it was quite hard to place them as a in a genre. Really, yeah. it was. It was, um, which I suppose has got to be. Um, commended it it was um it was pretty unique sound they Definitely. they uh i don't think there was that many uh, artists using like rock, heavy rock samples at that no. point that was that was sort of unusual i think yeah. i wonder what other rappers thought of them in yeah. the in the scene i can imagine yeah there was a big fight against them actually yeah probably um, fair to say the you know, fight for your right to party is a very poor representative of the Beach Beach Boys <laughs> of the Beastie Boys catalogue. Yeah. You know, that's sort of the probably their most well known 
mm. song. It's the one that most people would think of most instantly. And yet it's very unrepresentative yeah. of what they actually do yeah. overall. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes music's quite complex, especially with that sampling in there. I was well impressed. If we could skip like the first track and that weird chicken one, whatever it was, to <laughs> be a really, really good album. But, um, I, quite, I always think of the, convers- the conversation. At least it's only 20 seconds. And yeah. the conversation of, of who's gone, let's put that in the middle of the album. I think they just don't. And they've all gone, yeah, great idea. That's going to get us. Because I've done it with my mates before when you're making songs and all that. And yeah, you just find it funny. And you think you just put it in there for a bit of banter. Yeah, you're and in you're the- listening back into it and you're like, why have we done that? And you're just laughing. <laughs> I wish anyway. we'd, yeah, yeah. we'd never have done yeah. that. I can see why they have done it. And then 20 years after, that you're laughing about it again yeah. but did you listen on shuffle did you listen the whole way through the whole way through because it does does link as well doesn't it yeah I mean I always yeah. listen to these yeah. albums not on shuffle because yeah. I feel that's how they're supposed to yeah. be heard so. you purist you yeah. uh, well that's, I mean I even try to not listen to anything even, like, even the I did listen to the last two tracks on the uh, Whalers album there was 11 tracks on the version I listened to but I know the other the Final two tracks were added on a 2001 Later. release, yeah. um, not on the original release. So I try to be aware of what am I listening to? Is this yeah. the original album uh, or is a, a revised track listing version, weird um, something done to it thing? Do you not buy on iTunes, Billy? I buy all these on iTunes. I'm billing the studio <laughs> at, the, at the end of the process. Uh, earlier on in this podcast, you said you were going to go and buy them all on vinyl. <laughs> yeah. I'm just flicking through it. Uh, yeah, good luck, good luck with that. plug. <laughs> flicking through. I, having said that, I didn't listen to this all in one sitting. I, I, did, uh, I had to stop halfway through for some reason. Um, so I think I got as far as Hey Ladies and stopped and then came back and listened to the rest of the album. And whether that's a side one, side two thing that might have happened <laughs> or whether I was just in a different mood or whatever, but I much enjoyed the second uh, half, half better. Uh, than the first half. Yeah, I agree with that. Really got yeah. into it yeah. um, listening to that. It the, was better. That, the last few tracks and the first few tracks were a bit sort of, okay, Beastie Boys, sort of know what I'm getting. <laughs> But I really got into the end of it, and I did enjoy the sort of spot the sample yeah. <laughs> element yeah. of it as yeah. well. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, they've got that in there, especially the Beatles samples. That like really took me by surprise. I didn't hear like very that. obvious Beatles samples in what there. Ones were they? Which one? What tune There's was that? Loads of them. There's stuff from uh, Abbey Road. There's uh, when I'm 64 is definitely in there. There's stuff from uh, the just... end uh, from Abbey Road. Uh, is in there There's just a, a surprising number of people so how would it be a nightmare would, would to sign off them, would they it? give them a lump sum or would they get royalties like continuously a bit of both it's all done on Probably the timing isn't it yeah and when, when it was done and who was who was agreeing I've actually did I take a note of the uh, quote uh, from this year uh, oh yeah uh, Mike D was asked about any possible hesitation here the band might have had regarding their overt sampling of several minutes of well known Beatles background tracks including the end on Sounds of Science he claimed that the Beatles had filed preliminary legal papers but that his response had been what's cooler than getting sued by the Beatles <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point <laughs> But yeah, I so said listening to those and lots of other familiar bits of tracks. So spotting the samples was quite good. Yeah. Um, if you are interested, in, there is, a, I said, 125 different samples on this apparently. Wow. Um, and uh, if anyone's interested in this sort of thing, you can check it out on Wikipedia. They actually list all the samples that are used on all That's the individual cool. tracks. So they do a breakdown of what's on what track. Yeah. God, their um, management must have been like, oh my <laughs> yeah. God. Well, it's the early days. We talked about this before, didn't we, with Della Sol, I think, yeah. uh, particularly. 1989, still sort of early in the whole sampling thing. 
So there's a degree of going, hey, we've sampled your track. Is that all right? And people going, yeah, probably. Yeah. And then, you know, by the, time you, get, by the yeah. time you get to 2022, people are going, hey, we've sampled your track. Is that all right? Yes. Write me a check. Yeah. yeah. A large check. Yes. And then you can use my, yeah. you can use my sample. <laughs> yeah. That so Robin I, think, I don't know whether Pharrell the license. Do, I think you made it? that point. I don't know whether the licensing. I suppose it, it varies depending on what you're doing. The licensing, whether it's an ongoing royalty payment, or whether it's a clearance one-off payment. No, uh, I th- probably I th- a combination of both. If I'm right, I think the Marvin Gaye um, people who own his his music. They uh, they essentially got like a big chunk of uh, the royalty publishing of. Um, uh, blurred lines. That, that's not sampling, and, and though. And that was that because oh, they, they got a writing credit on it. That's why. Oh yes, that wasn't sampling. Sorry, yes, yeah. that was um, just <laughs> ripping off, pretty much, yeah. wasn't it? Because there's various methods of like sampling is okay. I'm going to take something that's already recorded and use yeah. that recording in my record. Yeah. There's yes. a thing that they call it interpolation, which a lot of artists are doing now as well. Which is we want to use the part from that song, but rather than using the recording of it, we'll recreate it. Yeah. So we like the bass line. Yes. So we will use that bass line, but we'll get someone else to play it. Yes. So they need to do a deal on that bass line, but not on the original recording. That's right, because so you a, then own so the it's master. A diff, yeah. Different deal. You still need to credit, but yeah. it's a different deal. And then there's the I've you know the copyright issue of the well, wait a minute, that's my song. Yes. Um, that it's like if you do a cover and release it, you then <laughs> you own the master recording. Yeah, but then the, obviously the or Taylor Swift we talked about didn't we very early on this about why is she re-recording all her albums it's so that she so she, can, oh, she owns her master. God, that feels like recording. three years ago. We spoke. Yeah. <laughs> That's how long we've been here. My word! I said I was doing uh, once upon time a long time ago. I was doing a, a different uh, list. I think it was Q Magazine best two hundred and fifty albums of our lifetime or something. And uh, ill communication was on that. And I had a similar experience. I think wanting to think. Okay, I've got to listen to this Beastie Boys album thing. Oh God. Do I really want to listen to a Beastie Boys album? And then listening to it and going, actually, I quite like this. Yeah, and I it. had the same sort of experience with this one as well. So do I want to listen to Beastie Boys? Oh, actually, I quite like this. Yeah. But definitely, I had a second half I definitely enjoyed more. Yeah. I listened to it three or four times. Yeah. Right. I was like, I'm so excited to listen to it again. Whereas before, I was like, oh. Because you've got to listen to it at least twice, I think, these albums, to get a good picture of it. Definitely yeah. helps. Um, yeah. It always sounds different than second half. But again, time. I think the second half... I don't know if the second half's better or you just get used to their sound. Yeah, maybe. But I do think midway through there, they do put the good tracks together quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoy it. I think, it, again, you know what my favourite genres are now. Rock and like, hip-hop. It yeah. does combine them really, really well. And the only thing like, I didn't like initially was some of the guys' voices. Yeah. And that even grew on me. A reviewer in Pitchfork, I should say his name, Nate Patron of Pitchfork, described Paul's Boutique as a landmark in the art of sampling, a reinvention of a group that looked like it was heading for a gimmicky early dead end, and a harbinger, binger, binger, harbinger, harbinger, yeah, that's right, and a harbinger of the pop culture obsessions and referential touchstones that would come to define the ensuing decades post-modern identity. Wow, that was a mouthful. It feels like an album that's really um, a, one of those albums that's had a critical reappraisal. I think when it first came out, less loved and has become more so over time. It hasn't been on previous versions of the Rolling Stone list, as far as I'm aware. This is its first time it's appeared on the oh. 500 list from Rolling Stone. So, yeah, seems to have been critically reappraised. Right, <clears throat> shall we do some scores, boys? Strong four for me. 
strong for that seems to be a new a new <laughs> a new four number plus. we're giving that's a strong four i'll go three a oh, week three, three. A, a bit of a limp three yeah it got over it got over the line just <laughs> a limp three no not to be yeah no no a solid three i was just thinking actually about the usage of how clever it was to use those samples yeah. actually the, the art of that yeah Deserves a three. You must, that must have, Beastie Boys must have been around your sort of era when you was growing up. You must have heard a lot of them. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. No. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan. Um, I remember everyone always used to say like, um, did Eminem like, you know, like the, the, the Beastie Boys and stuff. That was like a clear link to make as yeah. a white rapper just yeah. for some odd reason, I suppose. Mm. But yeah, as I've said about a hundred times on this, I, I like this 80s rap, but I think I prefer... It instrumentally, I think I prefer yeah. rap style and flow yeah. from nineties and and um, moving on into yeah. sort of early noughties where it was sort of its heyday, wasn't it? Yeah. But I've said that already. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, strong, uh, uh, strong three based yeah. on. I suppose it's a very unique thing to do. I know other, you know, um, we, we've you know talked about was it De La Soul who did a lot of sampling as well, but yeah. to use this many is is still very impressive. So I'll give it a three. Three for me as well, I think. Sort of trying to remember what I said about the last time round. Yeah, I'm going to stick with a, a three. I think it's definitely worth a listen. Don't know that it's great, but I think it's definitely enjoyable. And I said I, I did have fun with the uh, spot the samples. And I've, oh my God, <laughs> there's another there's another sample yeah. <laughs> and another sample. Was that three? And there was a bit. Of, there was a bit of Beatles in it, Martin. So that gave it. A three well, I, I was going to say. I, I thought you might mention that. <laughs> yeah. It's basically like listening to the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> two tens this week, then. Two tens. Yeah. Good. Double digits always good. Think so. Think so. Nice. Okay. Good. That's uh, wraps up our uh, albums for this week. Very enjoyable. Very well done. Right, it is time once again <laughs> to decide. Bit. It's everyone's favourite bit, Billy. People skip to the <laughs> end of the podcast for this. They don't bother listening. <laughs> uh, time to decide on the two albums that we will discuss on next week's show. Uh, Billy has the random number generator in his hand. You ready? It's basically an enormous die. <laughs> See the size of this thing, a 500-sided dice. <laughs> Push it over down the high street. 214, 214. 214. Got a good feeling, come on. He's got a good feeling. That feeling may disappear <laughs> quickly. Uh, number 214 is an album called Wild Flowers by Tom Petty. Oh, okay. All right. Tom an Petty. artist I am really not familiar with at all. You know Free Falling. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah, that's really. what I know, really. Uh, American, what's it? Uh, American, American girl. She was an American girl. Was she? <laughs> <laughs> How did it go? What she was an American girl. Is it the heartbreakers? Just Tom Petty. Uh, this is. It says here it's uh, Tom Petty, not Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He had that tune. I went back down as well. Seems that... to say it went back down. Oh, the one that Sam, Sam Smith yeah. uh, had to get. Continuing yes, a theme, exactly. right, right, the had, theme to, had maybe, to give yeah. a writing credit on, yeah. No, Even though he said he'd never heard it. <laughs> I think that just shows how complex the human brain is, though. I think he probably actually in his conscience thought he hadn't heard it. But I think you actually can walk into a coffee shop, 
hear something in the background. Yeah. It gets lodged in your brain. You yeah. go to the studio and you've ripped it yeah. off. Yeah. Boom. You're not conscious that you've done it, but I'm afraid yeah. you have. See you yeah. in court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is credited to uh, only uh, Tom Petty. It's his second solo studio album. And uh, in a weird connection with what we just discussed with the Beastie Boys, uh, it was produced by Rick Rubin. Wow. Another link. <laughs> it's almost like someone's well, be inter- I think we have, we've mentioned this maybe before. We haven't actually added it up. Interesting to see how many uh, albums, even though like different artists, but maybe with the same producer. Yeah. For exa- I mean, for example, you've got, I think it's 11 or something stupid number of uh, Beatles albums that are on this top 500. Of course, all produced by George Martin, which means George Martin appears 11 times as a producer. <sighs> but does he appear other than with the Beatles? Whereas you've got Rick Rubin producing this album, who's all we've already had on this because he produced the uh, Chili Peppers album. Well, maybe in six years so, we'll do uh, the top. We'll do the top five hundred producers. Well, it's, all the time. it's interesting yeah. <laughs> to see how, how often does someone like Rick Rubin actually appear on this list. Yeah. But with very let's say, oh, of course, George Martin on the on the list a lot, but only with one act. Whereas yeah. Rick Rubin appearing as a producer a lot, but with several different acts. Is that more impressive? And who else may appear as well? Richard Blackwood. We've had two. Just a thought. Richard Blackwood. Black, uh, sorry, Richard. Um, Richard Blackwood. <laughs> Richard Blackwood. Um, <laughs> He's the comedian Rich- presenter guy, isn't he? Richard Blackwood. Sorry, I'm getting confused <laughs> with someone else. Probably who it is now. Okay. Cut, so, that, my, cut that bit, Martin. Cut that bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Tom Petty and Wildflower, number 214 is the first one. And 173. 173. Oh, <laughs> right. I'm, wait- I'm waiting for the cheers or the interest or the whoa. Uh, 173 is In Utero by Nirvana oh yes please <laughs> the third and five five final studio album is it the third album yeah, <laughs> yeah third and third and final studio Tom album Tom Petty and Nirvana yeah how about that third and final studio album by Nirvana 1993 on DGC Records nice that's a good week I haven't listened to In Utero for a very long time heavy very heavy mm. gonna be fun Absolutely. Fantastic. Look forward to that. Good listening for the next uh, week. One I don't know, one I do know. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly same for everyone. Uh, as always, thank you very much for, uh, well, I'll say thank you to my co-hosts. I don't do that at the end normally. Let's do that. Thank you once again to my co-hosts, Miles Mitchell. Thank you, guys. Uh, Billy Hills. Thank you. And me, Martin Lumsden, for joining us. Thank you for listening to Ooh. this podcast. We love you. This is the Apollo Audio Podcast. We'll be back next week with two more albums. Uh, Please do, if you're listening to this, please give us a rating on your podcast pod listening place or whatever. Uh, Leave us a message if you'd like to. And if you'd like to uh, get involved and tell us what you think of the albums, there's got to be Nirvana fans out there, at least, if not Tom Petty. The people who are listening, we know some of the people listening to this podcast are definitely Nirvana fans. So come on, guys. I might start writing in. What do you think of in neutral? You're going to write in under a fake name. Yeah. It's Billy, it's Billy, Billy again. Bills. Billy Bills. <laughs> uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with another great podcast. We will see you then. Bye for now. Bye, Bye Martin. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Will you forgive me?